0: Unhealthy habits that you guys had because I feel like with exes, at first it can be good, you know, you guys have both grown out of whoever you were before, whatever was causing issues before, and then you get into the relationship again, and then those pro- problems start creeping in again. Like, how do you avoid that from happening?
1: Men who, and this is in my book, men who understand women do not argue with them, mm. and general general uh, rapport creating between human beings is if you think about it like when you run into somebody you may may not have seen maybe somebody went to high school with or an old friend what do you typically talk about how have you been how's school how's the kids you still living in the same neighborhood how's your wife how's your girlfriend did did your son make the football team or whatever happens to be and so you're asking them personal intimate questions like that and when somebody ask you those kinds of questions, whether it's somebody that's already close to you or somebody that you've just met, mm-hmm. it feels like the type of conversation with somebody that already knows you. And so the important thing is, is, is the listening part. And so yeah. if your woman has concerns, you have to let her speak and you have to let her speak in a way that she feels heard. She feels understood. And because a big mistake that guys run into is a Like an example I like to use a lot is because you guys tend to speak in exaggerated hyperbole, Mm -hmm. where I think we were talking about this last week when we were filming, where you you just take her to a nice bed and breakfast you saved up for. It was like a $10,000 vacation, three or four days. And then the next week you're working late, you got things going on, and your girlfriend or your wife is like, we never do anything. And the guy's thinking, I just spent ten fucking thousand dollars that I saved up for six months to take you on a nice trip, and here we are a week later. You're going, we, we never do anything, and so it's upsetting to the man, and it pisses him off because you know I put all this time, this effort, this money, and you're just basically saying I never do anything for you. Mm-hmm. And instead of the guy getting butt hurt and getting mad about that, all he really what he has to recognize is that number one, you guys speak in exaggerated hyperbole. Because you're speaking from your feelings and your emotions. It feels like you don't do enough together. It feels like you're not spending enough time. It feels like he's focused on things other than you. And that's why for you, it feels totally normal and understandable to say, we never do anything. Yeah. Because the feeling that you're feeling seems like it's going on for more than it should be and longer than it should be. And that's what you're trying to explain to a guy. And so when one was complaining, we never do anything, you never take me anywhere, you never take me on any trips, instead of, because we're logic and reason-oriented as men, mm-hmm. and so the natural instinct is to want to argue and say, that's bullshit, yeah. I just took you away last week. Instead, you remain calm, because masculinity is calm, and you recognize all she's really saying is, baby, I love you, I want to spend more time with you. We're not spending enough time. We had so much quality time last week, and this week we don't have any. Yeah. And that's all she's really saying to you. And men would be like, well, why didn't she just speak like that? Because she's a <laughs> woman and she speaks womanese and that's how they are. And you're here learning from me. The girl that you're having the problems with is not here learning from me. And so I'm explaining this to you so you can understand it and not get butthurt and recognize that you got to let your girl speak. You got to let her talk. You got to make her feel heard and understood. You got to say things like, what else? Tell me more. How'd that make you feel? What else? Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to tell or we should talk about? Yeah. And when you get everything out, you tip, it, you're like, I feel so much better. I'm so glad we talked. I love you. You're amazing. But if the guy's interrupting you and wanting to argue with you, even if he wins the argument, you're still going to be pissed off, especially when she's like, it's fine, Corey. It's it's fine. It's no big deal. When a woman <laughs> says it's fine, it means it's not fine. And if you're just like, okay, well, she said it was fine. And then you move on to the next thing. She's going to be super pissed at you. You're thinking, yeah. you said it was fine. <laughs> Well, you're supposed to know that when a woman says it's fine, it's not. It means that she's not happy with you.
0: That means roses and chocolates. That,
1: that means that you gotta you gotta get to the bottom of it. So if a woman's telling you it's fine, it's basically her saying you're not you don't care about listening to me anyways. You don't want to hear what I gotta say, just whatever. It's pointless to even talk to you because you're not gonna hear me. And so what a man should recognize. And the guy's like, well, why didn't she just say that? Because again, they're women. They speak womanese, as Doc Love would say is that you just gotta recognize that you have to get to the bottom of the issue. And the reason she's saying fine is she's in essence tapping out and saying, I'm giving up. I'm not even gonna try to communicate with you anymore because you don't make me feel like you care to even know why I'm upset or why I'm bothered. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So when a woman says fine to you, you're like, no, no, it's not fine. Obviously you're not happy, so what's going on? What's on your mind? What are you really thinking and feeling?
0: Yeah.
1: And you gotta get her to talk. And that's a skill that quite frankly most men don't have and most women don't know how to explain to a guy in a way that makes sense
0: yeah and I feel like guys don't like hearing from women or at least their girl like they don't like to be taught you know like by a woman like oh whatever like it bugs them but if a guy told them they know why
1: well because you know in the old days before GPS it's like when you're driving around you're like why don't you just ask for directions why don't you stop at the gas station or the restaurant and ask somebody where this place is yeah and what the guy hears is just the way we are. It's like she doesn't trust me to figure this shit out. She doesn't trust me to read the map because we used to have maps in the old days. Yeah. She doesn't trust me to keep looking because you're getting impatient because you're like we're just driving around in fucking circles. There's a dude over there at the gas station. We just stop by and ask him and solve this problem. Yeah. And so what the guy hears is you you don't have faith in him. You don't have faith in his problem solving mm-hmm. ability. And so what that causes us to do is feel like we're not successful. Yeah. And if we're not successful. At getting from point A to point B, then we're not a successful man. Mm-hmm. And if we're not a successful man, we can't be happy. Happy. In other words, if you're happy, that's all me, bro. <laughs> if you're miserable, it's like, oh, shit, that's all me as well. Yeah. And if the guy constantly feels like no matter what, you're not going to be happy with him, eventually every guy's just going to tap out. Right. And just give up and be like, I can't make the bitch happy. She's no matter what I do, she's Damn. gonna be pissed off. <laughs> and they give up and they check out and they don't even try anymore. And so again, these are skills they don't teach you in high school. They're, they're, they don't teach it to you in college. It's like you have to figure this shit out on your own, or you grow up in a family, which is very rare, that understands this stuff. And when kids grow up in families where the parents just talk things out calmly and rationally, and they resolve their differences, and kids see that over and over. Thousands and thousands of times, and they grow up. They get in the real world of dating. They just they just do everything naturally because they right. saw it modeled for them in childhood. But and for most people in the real world, these are things that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. You have to become good at communicating. You have to be really. If you're a good communicator, really, it's a good listener. And and the reason why people that are like in sales do real well with my book is because. a lot of the principles are based on stuff that you learn to be a good salesperson. And if you, people that don't know, it's like, do you know what makes somebody a good salesperson? No. So what's you would think that, Oh, they're really good at talking about the product and convincing people to buy it. Well, Mm -mm sales really is like creating a friend and so what you learn when you especially when you study the psychology of sales is that it's like we were talking about earlier like when you run into an old friend hey how you been what you been up to you still living in the same part of town mm-hmm. you still driving that car oh no i wrecked that three cars ago or whatever mm-hmm. you know you're gonna ask intimate questions how's the kids going how's your mom how's your brother you know are you going to the reunion or whatever it's yeah. like you're having conversations about things that in that Person is asking you personal, intimate things that make you feel like you care. Right? If you're going into a car dealership and you, what are you expecting? A high pressure sales guy, right? Or some mm-hmm. obnoxious salesperson is going to come over and try to convince me to buy this piece of crap car that I don't want or need. Right. And in reality, when a, a knowledgeable salesperson comes over and he's like, hey, what's your name? Oh, my name's Carolyn. Well, hey, nice to meet you, Carolyn. What, what can I do for you today? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking at a car. Oh, and then instead of going into a sales pitch, he starts walking you around and kind of just talking to you. It was like, so where are you from? Did you live in the area? Mm-hmm. Oh, here. What do you do for a living? Oh, I do this and that. And so you're explaining what do you do for a living because he's also kind of pre-qualifying. He's trying to find out, do you have a job? Right. Do you have good credit? Do you have mm-hmm. any money? Can you mm-hmm. buy? So he's trying to figure out, am I spending time with somebody that's ready, willing, able, and open buyer? Or are they a tire kicker? Is this somebody that's just going to waste my whole afternoon? Right. And she ain't had a job in three years, and she's got five bucks in the bank account, and her credit is just destroyed.
0: Just window shopping. So
1: yeah. So she's just going to waste my time. Meanwhile, three other couples walk in that I could have sold cars to, and here she took my whole afternoon, and I got nothing out of it. Yeah. Other than hanging out with a, a cute girl mm-hmm. that didn't have a pot to piss in. And so the report creating. Maybe
0: you got her Instagram. You never. Yeah.
1: Maybe you got her Instagram. <laughs> So the creating reporter just comes in just shooting the shit with you, talking to you like somebody that I've known forever. Mm-hmm. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? What do you do for fun? Where's your husband? Where's your boyfriend go, you know, work at? What's he do? And so you're just having a normal conversation. And over about a ten to fifteen minute period, what happens is it puts you at ease. And, you know, you look at body language science, especially um, cause I used to teach all this stuff to my, my sales agents. It's that one of the things that people do, like this area here is your emotional center. And so when people don't feel comfortable, they do this. Mm-hmm. And then when they feel rapport and they feel open to you and close to you, what happens is the arms come down.
0: Mm-hmm. If a
1: guy's got his nice pair of glasses, he'll take his glasses off and maybe set them on your desk uncross his legs and he opens up his body language or her body language to you Mm -hmm. Um, like women that are sitting with you if they're like kind of turned away as they have rapport what happens is they start to turn towards you and then their knees switch and they become open to you that you know they uncross their arms they they you you could see what they're feeling because your body gives away those signals Mm -hmm. and as a salesperson you're like ah now she's ready for my sales pitch because mm-hmm. what that communicates is that you feel at ease you don't feel like i'm with this obnoxious salesperson this Corey guy you're like i feel like i'm hanging out with an old friend And it's like when is he going to get around to trying to sell me a car right That's i came in, in the first place and so i just let you talk for 15 or 20 minutes and you just told me like your basic life history and life story and you feel like you're hanging out with a, a friend. And so the law of reciprocity says, you know what? I've just listened. You just listened to me talk for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. How rude of me. Tell me about you. Yeah. And then that's when you go into your sales pitch. So like when we were in real estate, what I, you know, it would usually take about an hour to an hour and a half to do what we call a buyer's consultation with people. And that's where you go through their credit, their income and all that stuff, what they qualify for, what their payment mm-hmm. they can afford. And then you start going through listings and stuff. But You know, usually the first 20, 30 minutes of the conversation, the buyer's consultation is nothing but just hanging out and shooting the shit with them, putting them at ease, talking to them like a friend. Yeah. Because if people don't like you, they're not going to trust you. And if they don't trust you, they won't buy from you. Right. And so when they sit down and you're creating rapport with them by just listening to them and opening up. It's the other thing. It's really hard to say no to somebody you like. It's hard to say no to a friend. Mm-hmm. And if if the guy is an obnoxious salesperson and is using high pressure sales and doesn't really ask you anything, it's easy to reject that guy. and be like, "Nah, I'm not buying one of your damn cars. Yeah. But if you just spent you know a half hour, 45 minutes and he knows your whole life story and all your kids' names and everything, yeah, you feel like you're hanging out and you feel kind of guilty that you took up all of his time and now you're gonna actually listen to what he has to say and plus your body language is communicating that you're open to it. right. Now you're ready to receive the sales pitch that doesn't feel like a sales pitch at that point because you're calm and you're at ease. Mm-hmm. And you feel relaxed and you like the salesperson because it feels like you're hanging out with a friend. Yeah. And so when we're like, and you're like, hey, how much does this cost? Or how much is the, the monthly payment? And you tell her, even though it might have been a little bit more than she was expecting or saying she wanted to afford, mm-hmm. and you say, oh, the payment's going to be 500 a month. And she was hoping for $400. Mm-hmm. you are like, it's 500 a month. And you just go, ye <laughs> who speaks first loses. This is part of negotiation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when you say something like that, oh, your payment is, you know, 500 is the best we can do a month and you're I was really hoping for 400 It's like yeah I'm sorry but that's just what the credit and the interest rates are yeah and then you shut up as a salesperson. you don't say anything (laughs) and then sometimes there's a little bit of a staring contest and she's sitting there and she she's looking back and she's feeling like I don't really want to pay this but it's like I don't want to tell Corey no because I really (laughs) like him he's a nice guy Mm -hmm. and then she goes oh okay well maybe I'll work a few extra hours at work I, I can afford it and Meanwhile she's talking herself into it and plus there's a, a silence.
0: Yeah.
1: And the silence is there on purpose.
0: Or sometimes the the dealer knows that the person's like not going to go through with it so they're like hold on hold on let me ask my boss. Let me ask the boss if we could like yeah, take but it down. Yeah before it gets bit. to that
1: what part of the close process and trying to convince you to, in essence, buy something that's a little more expensive than you were planning on buying, mm-hmm. but it's a good sale for me. And it's a good, good car for you, even though you're spending more than you wanted to. Yeah. And even, you know, you walk in the door, and you're like, ah, oh, 400 bucks is my top. Mm-hmm. But when we just create all this rapport and you really like the car and you're like, it smells so nice and it's the perfect color I've been looking for. And I've been wanting this car for a long time. And then, I'm just sitting there in total dead silence as I've already told you something that I know is uncomfortable. And so what happens is you start to squirm mm-hmm. and people that don't know any better, salespeople that don't know any better will keep talking.
0: Yeah.
1: Instead of just sitting there after they've told you. And then what happens is you will sit there without realizing it and talk yourself into it because now as the seconds go by and I'm not saying anything and it's quiet, we're just kind of staring at each other. Yeah. Then typically because you like me and you trust me at that point, Even though it's $100 more than you wanted, you feel guilty to say no to me Mm -hmm. because you like me because I've spent the time getting to know you Mm -hmm. versus somebody that's a obnoxious prick. And you're like, yeah, I told you, bro. It's like I'm not paying more than $100 over what I can afford. That's my budget. 400 bucks, that's all I could do. Mm -hmm. But if you like me and you trust me because I took the time to create rapport, you were like, okay, I'll go for it. I'll just work a few extra hours or whatever it is make up a difference and then you talk yourself into it mm-hmm. and this stuff all this stuff is strategic this mm-hmm. is all stuff that i learned when i studied sales and i got into sales and especially negotiation and, and this applies amazing with with women right creating rapport like that it's mm-hmm. like you just sit there thinking you're having shooting a shit with a salesman and it's like everything is very strategic with the good ones yeah. a, as to what they do and so that creates rapport and again it's the other thing to keep in mind with Women is that you guys on average say about 8,000 words a day and we tend to say about 2,000 words. So it's extremely important that you make sure and even right out of the book, it's like women should be doing 70, 80, 90% of the talking because quite frankly, they got more to say. You guys talk more and you work your problems out and solve them by talking. And it's our job to kind of facilitate that and enable that behavior.
0: Mm.
1: And so if she feels heard and understood and you're not trying to argue and win a point and you don't get butthurt at what she says. You just take it as constructive criticism and feedback because you're just trying to, because we want to make you happy. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's like we were started talking about initially about asking for directions. It's, you know, for us to, you know, ask for directions is like admitting that we failed. Yeah. And if we failed, we don't feel very successful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's why guys would, you know, not want to ask for directions. We get
0: offended. So yeah,
1: we get we get a little butt hurt. like, mm-hmm. she says, I'm incompetent. I can't fucking, I can't figure out how to drive her somewhere. <laughs> what kind of an idiot am I?
0: <laughs> Y'all are so sensitive without like saying it.
1: But that's that's one of our things. That's how us dudes are.